2: Well, I guess somebody has to step into Ned Hinkle's shoes here, so I guess I'll do it, uh, getting us rolling here in this conversation. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, that was—I mean, let's just do the introductions right off the bat. Let's get it over with. Uh, you've heard the voice already of uh, our engineer for these podcasts. Go ahead, Bill. Introduce yourself.
1: Hi, Joe. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group.
2: We also have. Our boss, <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Georgie Manu. Good morning, Georgie.
3: Hey, it's Catherine Manu, sometimes known as Georgie, and I am one of the publishers of the Express News Group, and not really a boss in some ways.
2: <laughs> and we also have one of our uh, senior staff writers, uh,
4: Kayla Riley. Hi, Kaylin Riley, news reporter for the press. And I would beg to differ, Georgie, you are a boss.
2: Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean not with a capital
4: B. In that sense of the word, you know what I mean. But, I'll accept.
1: But you're, not, you're not a non-bossy boss, which is really cool.
2: No, it's very nice. And I'm Joe Shaw, I'm the executive editor of the Express News Group. So we're we're gonna talk about masks. And I think we wanna focus specifically on the question about masks in schools, which um, is a hot topic right now. And it's become more and more of a hot topic in at least one school district, Kalen. Uh, at a recent school board meeting, it, it really uh, became a lengthy uh, conversation, right? And, and a lot of parents uh, voiced a lot of very emotional appeals about the school and its policy as far as, as masking, kids masking.
4: Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, a meeting for the ages. I think people will remember that meeting for a long time for a lot of different reasons. And look, I think Jeff Nichols, the superintendent of schools, said it best in our conversation the next morning when he said that people have really strong feelings about COVID mitigation measures and especially masks. And that's just a fact. And as, you know, Glennon Doyle says, we're allowed to feel our feelings. And so the way people feel is, is valid. Um, It's an emotional topic. And, um, you know, he pointed out that while the people that were at the meeting commenting were um, by and large in support of um, getting rid of the mask mandate or trying to just have their kids be able to go to school without masks, that there were people on the other side as well who, um, you know, have felt an extra dose of sort of safety, knowing their kids are wearing a mask when they're in school, but there's no question we're at a tipping point when it comes to masks. There's a lot of reporting that's out there about, about it. So I think that's why people's emotions are especially um, intense lately, because we definitely seem to have arrived at a place where we have to sort of make a decision about whether or not kids should be wearing masks in school anymore.
3: Well, and just a to- Stage a little bit for our listeners, um, you know, neighboring states, um, New Jersey, Delaware, Connecticut have already announced that they will um, be ending the mask mandate for schools. Um, and I know at least in New Jersey, um, they made the announcement um, the second week of February, the same time that this meeting occurred. Um, but that actual date where it expires won't happen until March 7th, as I believe, the day that um, schools in New Jersey no longer have to mandate masks. Now, a lot of conversations have been happening in those neighboring states and in New York about, um, you know, it it just ends the mandatory mask mandate statewide, but school districts will still have to individually make the decision for themselves on whether or not they will end their mask mandates. Um, And then Procedures are also gonna be put in place for the kids that still are wearing masks and making sure um, if the mask mandate is ended that there's not bullying for those kids and families that still decide to send their kids to school with a mask.
2: And Kaelin, that was part of the the conversation at Sag Harbor, right? Jeff Nichols is saying that the school district when the time comes will make its decision but but there will be a variety of factors that will go into whether or not the school decides to lift its mask mandate, right?
4: Yeah, I think what some of the people were expressing some frustration about, which I thought there were plenty of valid points that were made, um, I think they felt like there were some double standards in terms of when masks were allowed to be taken off. Um, A bunch of people brought up a recent like school um, play production where, It seemed as though the rules for masking were relaxed there. And then they were sort of wondering, well, how is that okay? But the kids still have to wear the masks when they're in school, or they're supposed to wear the masks for the sporting events, um, which are particularly difficult when you're, you know, exerting yourself. Um, And I think they were also expressing frustration that Jeff Nichols wouldn't um, immediately commit to saying yes, as soon as, as Governor Hochul drops the mandate in schools we, we will automatically have it dropped in our school as well they were and they were sort of looking for him to i think say that or, or something to that effect and he was trying to point out and uh, several other board members were as well that there's a little more that goes into the process for instance uh, mandatory masking is in the district's reopening plan and in order to um change part of your district's reopening plan, you have to have a resolution to do that. And so procedurally, um, that's how it's supposed to go, which is why there was some confusion, confusion when one board member um, decided to try and have a motion to, to sort of make that. What to me, the best way I can kind of think of it or describe it as a sort of like trigger law, like as soon as the mandate is taken away, that'll automatically mean he, he wanted to sort of set that in place and they kind of, they did end up voting on it and the rest of the members voted no, but I think they were sort of feeling like procedurally, that wasn't something that they were really able to do. And also the point that Jeff Nichols brought up was, okay, so, you know, if I just choose one metric, let's say the, you know, the te- test positivity rate is 3%, then we can drop the mask. Well, what if, you know, another variant emerges and, it's on other shores and we know it's coming our way, but we're still at 3%, would it be prudent to, to drop? And also all these different other um, standards that are in place are going to have to change as well in terms of like the social distancing and um, you know quarantine and isolation, all those. I think that is part of what Go- Governor Hochul is trying to work on so that she can kind of have that sorted out before she um, makes the move to drop mandate and so I think that they just are erring on the side of caution in terms of like they want to make sure all of those different things are taken care of before they commit to to doing it but you know the fact is that there are some other districts I I could be wrong but I believe Southampton committed to saying yeah we will drop the mask mandate once hopeful does so I think that is what is causing frustration for the parents in Sag Harbor like the other districts are doing this right near us. Why can't we do this as well? And it is a valid question for them to be bringing up. As of right now, the only
3: school district that, um, and this is being recorded on February 11th for our listeners, um, the only school district as of February 11th that announced that they will drop it immediately if Hochul makes that decision is the Southampton School District. That may change between this recording and when this podcast comes out.
2: I feel like there's an unspoken thing here too, that all of the school districts, they may not say this out loud. I think some people are saying this out loud at a national level. The problem is when school districts drop the mask mandate, if they have to come back and reenact it again, it's harder to do that. It's just easier to keep things the way they are. And if you have a mandate in place, it's just easier to say, well, let's let it in place for a little longer rather than dropping it, and then maybe in two weeks, the rates start to rise, and you got to put it back in place again, that causes friction as well. So
1: that's why they need to be clear about about what, you know, what what the markers are to say, all right, we'll we'll make it mask optional for now. But if the rate gets back above 4%, or if the vaccination rates don't rise to a certain level, or whatever, then we'll go back to masks. And, And I think that, that that's going to be important. Um, I mean, as Kaylin said, there's 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 no there's no level right now. Is, is you know when when do we take the masks off? And the governor's kind of looking at that, but they haven't put out any guidance about that. And I think there needs to be guidance. But I think it's also not just about um, you know test positivity rate. I mean, which which is what. Which is which is what that marker was pre pre vaccination. So everything was based everything in the state or the different states in the country was based on on that positivity rate. But there's so many other factors that go into it now, including you know how many people have been vaccinated. And and look, I think we're still a little low on the childhood vaccination rate. So maybe you know maybe that needs to be considered as well as you know, the test rate and hospitalizations and, you know, and, and all that. So there's a lot that goes into it. But I agree with Kalyn that, that I don't think anybody's been very clear about, you know, what, what those numbers need to be or, or where, where you decide that it's okay to drop the masks.
3: You know, and I think some of the reasonable questions that were raised at this Sag Harbor School Board meeting and look there and I want to be really clear there were moments during this meeting that were really out of control and you know it turned very personal. um, In some cases, um, you know, with one board member, you know, really singled out and you know that was unfortunate but there were many other parents. Who had, you know, very respectful comments and questions and concerns. And, you know, I think what Kaelin brought up earlier is the feeling like there's this inconsistency. You know, and part of that is like, hey, we've like never really done this before, right? <laughs> we've never really, you know, educated our children through a pandemic. Um, I know Kaylin and I both have young children that have never experienced school, um, not in a pandemic. Um, So I I think that there is a certain amount of frustration, though, like we're in we're going into year three now, um, you know, and so if we are going to continue masks in school, you know, there needs to be more consistency or there needs to be that metric that Bill's talking about, like, So when we hit X, Y happens and I think the feeling that it's like you just never know when this mask mandate is going to end. It's just this big question mark is really frustrating for some parents and understandably so. I mean, you know,
4: (laughs) it is like it's tough because I think also for parents who are really passionate about having the masks removed. They are looking around, and there's a lot of other places in our society where they have been removed, and and the other thing we know is that children don't suffer as as badly, generally speaking, um, from COVID. And I always want to point that out every time I say that because it's generally speaking. But for the for the parents whose kids do get really ill, my my niece who is very young, like she was on the cusp of her first birthday and she had COVID and she was really sick. So she was okay. But like, that was a harrowing experience. And so you don't want to discount anyone that that happens to. But yes, it's good news that the kids are generally speaking, they can handle it better. But I think that's part of the frustration because a a common refrain from people who want to get rid of the masks is the kids that the people that are least affected by it are suffering the The most in terms of like the stringent um, guidelines, and there is a bit of truth to that.
1: I get that, and and I understand the frustration of of parents. And look, when it's your kids, that's that's the most important thing in in the world to you. But I I, I think that you know it's also about the the community.
4: Right, Jeff Nichols brought that point up, and it's a it's a really good point to remember. It's not just about. it's not just about whether or not your kid is going to get sick. It's about who they could, who they could pass it to.
1: Right. If, if, if kids are getting sick at school or or getting infected at school, even if they're not getting sick and carrying at home, especially with the, you know, with the break coming up, um, you know, and, and, you know, people traveling and and going all over the place and and carrying it all over the place there, that has to be a consideration too. But I can understand why why that takes a, a backseat to, to people, you know, concerned about, about their kids and, and how their kids are doing, you know, wearing masks. But it, both both have to be considered. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel, be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com
0: 27 Speaks brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books, independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton, carrying a wide selection of new books, stationery, toys, games, first editions, and rare books. Their entire inventory is browsable on the website. SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations.
2: I've been very, you know, I'm a hundred percent supportive of vaccinations, hundred percent supportive of masking. But I have to say, and, and one of the one of the guideposts through this whole thing has been to follow the science. Part of the problem is. There's a lot of conflicting science out there, especially when it comes to kids and COVID. And it's not bad science necessarily, but as you say, this is something new. We're we're going through something that we haven't been through before and we're learning to deal with And one of the challenges has been, there hasn't been really conclusive studies yet about the effectiveness of masks in schools. But generally speaking, I think that the studies have shown more positivity than negativity. But I've always said, there's a big asterisk on this to me that that I, I feel like when we talk about kids in school, we need to single out younger kids because younger kids and masks is a whole different ballgame from teenagers in high schools and masks. It, it's, you know, nobody wants to wear a mask, but for kids at those development ages, you know, I think there was a narrative early on that said, well, we need to be careful and there's really no downside to kids wearing masks in school. I don't think that's accurate. I think if we follow the science, the science suggests that there is a downside to very young kids wearing masks in schools. And so um, I've said this a hundred times in the last six months, we need to figure this stuff out for the next one. I mean, we're living through this now and, and we're building the plane while we're flying it basically. But um, we need to figure all this out because there are big questions here uh, that, are gonna, that are coming into play as, as in real time, but, but also in the future, you know, we're, we're bound to have another outbreak of some kind.
3: I mean, honestly, I feel like when the kids went back to school in 2021, um, for those of us that had you know, children, for a lot of us, it was like, we'll do whatever it takes for them to be back in school. Like my kid will wear a mask, the list of what I would have been willing to do is long. I'll wrap my child because if I need to bubble wrap my child, I will do that as well. Like, you know, hazmat suit, I'll buy a hazmat suit for my kid. If- Amazon. Yeah, totally, click. Um, but, you know, but I think, you know, I, I do have a younger child who, again, has only experienced school. He was halfway through kindergarten when COVID hit. And, you know, I, I think it's impossible to say that having your nose and mouth covered when you're learning how to read, how to write, how to socialize. I mean that that's like all the stuff that's happening when you're really little in school. And of course there's an impact. I mean, how could there not be, you know? My daughter
4: takes speech therapy once a week and it's kind of funny because I'm real on top of things over here guys, but I haven't actually even ever asked her speech teacher like, do they take the mask off when they do speech? Because I don't see how you could do speech therapy. I mean, her speech problem isn't really like extensive, but and she just goes once a week. So I'm not like super concerned about it. But like, I mean, it's you you literally need to show children your mouth and then watch what they're doing with their mouth when you give them speech therapy. So that's an that's an example as well. There are certain things that it you it does sort of require that beyond just the like it's uncomfortable for them or whatever. Um, I mean, my kids personally don't really complain about the masks. I think they've just gotten used to it. I also think that, um, you know, every kid's different, right? Like some kids have sensory issues, like the way things, um, something touching like their face or their feet or whatever, like they might. So yeah, my kids don't complain about it but I'm sure there's other kids who it's more of an issue for, for various reasons.
2: I also feel like the mask thing is so wrapped up in politics now. And when, when you talk about kids in school, you add in a dollop of emotional you know, now you've got your kids and you're being told what to do with your kids. I mean, I think the politics of this has to do with the government telling you what to do, you know, whether you should get vaccinated, whether you should wear a mask. Um, now you add a whole nother layer when you're talking about you're telling me what I should do with my kids. And and I think that sparked that sparked a debate that, you know, I think it goes to it goes to unhelpful places because now you're starting to see school districts revisit vaccination policies in general and things like that. That This was all settled stuff before, before the masks. And, and um, I, I think it's also just a place where all the stress of the last two years bubbles up. I mean, I think this is just a weak spot. This is, this is where we're gonna feel it the most um when we're dealing with policy that directly affects our families and kids so i guess it's i guess it's not a shock that we're seeing some of this uh the cooler heads have to prevail right i mean i think at that at that sag harbor school board meeting it was just pretty clear that 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 you know so much of the conversation was respectful and helpful and and you heard both sides and there was an exchange and it just went off the rails. And, and we have to just as a community decide not to let that happen, right?
4: I think that um, from what I heard, there was some I don't know if the right word is healing. I wasn't there. There was a PTA morning meeting the following morning. And I think there was like the conversation continued and Jeff Nichols actually attended that meeting, which he doesn't typically attend PTA meetings, but he went and he said there were some productive conversations. So I think people kind of realized that, you know, that meeting got a little too emotional and intense. And so that was good to hear that there was some, that it was kind of good timing. At first, when I heard that the PTA meeting was the next day, I was like, maybe that's bad. And then I and I think what it ended up being a good kind of opportunity for people to like go to bed, you know, kind of come back and maybe like have cooler heads. And um, I think people like to be heard. And the board, the board set that meeting up in that way to let that happen. They gave, they really truly gave people a lot of air. They definitely like they, they, that's why the meeting was so long because they let people speak. You know, there were some people that spoke um, three or even four times, and they were given that opportunity, but it made me, it did make me wonder when you want to do that, which I think is good. it's, It's tricky to draw the line as well, because as I pointed out in my article, there were two other people in that meeting who were not there for any other purpose than to present um, about the budget and a proposed um, plan to update the unit ventilation systems. And they were sitting there for three hours before they got to speak. So I did sort of feel for them a little bit in that moment.
1: That maybe could be rearranged a little bit, but like look, we've said, we're we're community journalists and we like covering community journalism. School boards are are the, the greatest level of democratic participation um, in the country that and, you know, village and town government and all that. But so you have this national conversation about masks and this national frustration, where are people able to voice that, but their local school districts, um, you, you know, it's not going to come up at a town board meeting. So you have the school district. And this is where people feel like they have a voice and and their voice needs to be heard. And so I, I respect that. And I think that's a great thing. I think yeah. Kaylin, like you said, though, they can they can maybe figure out different ways to address the agenda uh, before or after that happens.
4: Yeah, I'm sure they will do that next time they think they might have a meeting like this. Hopefully that will be a little while, but you never never know.
2: You know, it's also, there's a lot of frustration because there is a lot of mixed messages and a lot of unclear messages. I mean, even, you know, as Governor Hochul and several other governors in actually very blue states, so we're not talking about politics here, Began lifting mask mandates in the business community, um, President Biden said, "Well, they may be moving a little prematurely to do that." You know, those kinds of mixed messages really just feed the frustration. I think for for all of us, we're all aching to get back to uh, you know normalcy. But but I worry that I worry too sometimes that just as we start to get a grasp at normalcy. We we take these steps, and and I worry that it's going to cause a retreat.
1: I think on the opposite end of that, though, too, there are, there are, are people that um, because because we've been accustomed to these protections and worrying and being nervous for the last two years, and because that has become part of our normal, that that I think there's probably uh, you know people who um, who are going to have a difficult time. Giving that up in in a way, not to be too psychobabble, but but it's going to be difficult to give that up. So, so I think there's going to be stress points, um, you know, locally, nationally, um, between between those those two philosophies that, you know, it's time to move on, or no, we've just got to be safe and be safe and be safe. It's it's been two years and and you know, we've seen some declines, we've seen advances in in vaccinations and and at some point, whether it's today or whether it's next month or whether it's a few months, at some point, we've we've got to, um, you know, as a whole kind of make that leap and say, okay, we're ready. And it sounds like with the relaxation of, of the state's mask mandate in public uh, places and, and businesses um, last week, we've we've done that. And it looks like we're getting to that place in in school. So slowly we'll, we'll push that way. I, I think you're right, Joe, though, again, and I said it earlier, there has to be some kind of mechanism that if things start to get out of control again, then you go back as hard as that is to do. And we saw that with, um, you know, earlier or, or late last year when or last summer when, you know, when, when they said, okay, we don't need the masks anymore. Numbers are super low, you know, take them off. And then the numbers started to go back up. So we put the masks back on and the mandates came back and it was hard and it was difficult, but we did it and, and we got there. So I, I think, you know, you, you kind of, you play it as it, as it comes and, you know, and, and you, you make a decision at some point we need to, we need to start moving forward.
2: And Georgie, we are, we are moving forward. I mean, we aren't in the same circumstance we were in at any point in the past of this pandemic. We have a lot more people vaccinated. I think, you know, that, that's got to be a help too, right?
3: Oh, I mean, 100%. I mean, uh... Vaccination rates, as Bill noted earlier, could be a lot higher for the kids. Um, you know, some people are choosing not to vaccinate their children, and you know, and I think the one point that a school board member in Sag Harbor was trying to make is um, that Governor Hochul has said it would be so much easier for her to pull the trigger on ending the school mask mandate if there was a higher vaccination rate for kids, you know, it would just, it would give us all a little bit um, of a comfier sense, I think. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a totally different ball game than it was two years ago. And um, I know for myself as a parent of a 13 year old and a seven year old, you know, I know that we've as a family committed to trying to learn how to live as fully as we can in this environment, because I, you know, I don't see COVID disappearing, (laughs) you know, magically (laughs) this summer. Um, I think it's probably something, you know, we're endemic with for many years to come. And I've got to try and figure out how to give my kids some kind of a life. I, you know, I am not in the I'm gonna stay home camp for the rest of my life. I do know people who definitely feel um, much safer just kind of staying in their house and being masked. And, um, but you know, I'm, I'm ready to have my kids experience a lot more of the world moving forward. And I'm hopeful that, they, that they're gonna be
2: able to and that it's gonna be okay. I feel like it's a key moment. We'll see. I, I don't think this will be our last conversation on the subject, unfortunately, but uh, you know there's at least a knock on wood hope that um, you know the governor in lifting the mask mandate earlier this month said we're entering a new phase. And even at the national level, I think we've heard some positivity uh, some optimism, at least that we might be entering a new stretch of this, maybe it's the home stretch. Uh, maybe we can keep this thing manageable. What's well, a great question though, Georgie, about whether, I don't think we're going to eradicate it. I think we're going to probably just have to learn to keep it at bay for a while, but uh, going to be an, a, a topic of conversation probably for future podcasts, I think so.
4: I'll just, say, I'll just say this as a mom, regardless of what my own personal feelings are about masks, I, I'm comfortable sharing that when that day comes, I will not miss having to launder them and worrying about, the fact that I the purple one's not clean, and that's my favorite. And um, why didn't you give me these? For this one and this one, may, that I won't miss. And I think that that's the mask, the mom and dad mask thing we can all agree on.
2: The style set. It's found a, a mask thing
4: that all parents probably feel the same about, guys.
2: <laughs> it's our long national nightmare. <laughs> <laughs>
1: 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com Thank you for
0: listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude, Flute Music, is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and sacharbonexpress.com Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.